This is the Watershed Podcast. Watershed is a worshiping community of Heart of White Ministries, located near the sandy beaches of Lake Michigan in the city of Holland. We gather on Sunday mornings to study the Bible and learn what it teaches. Join us and discover the scriptures for yourself. said, my name is Pastor Mark. Uh, I'm just delighted and and honored to be with you here this morning uh, to be able to worship alongside you and to open up God's Word together. And uh, let's see, a little bit about myself. Uh, I come from a background of student ministry. I've been doing that for, oh, about to date myself a second here, for over a dozen years. And uh, uh, I'm from the metropolis of Plainwell, Michigan. Um, You may know it as one of the towns you pass through on the way to Kalamazoo, Uh, and uh, I make fun, but a wonderful, wonderful uh, community, and yeah, I'm just feeling very, very blessed to be here this morning. Uh, Let's see, did I share everything? I'm married and have four kids, did I tell you that? (laughs) Let's like round that out, like I'm married, I have four kids, three boys and a girl, so you can guess who uh, has me wrapped around their finger. Um, <laughs> that's all I'm going to say about that. Anyways, uh, so this morning we're going to continue in this series uh, uh, from the birth of Jesus to the birth of the church, and, and we're continuing in our journey in the Sermon on the Mount as, as Pastor Aaron uh, jumped into this past week, in which Jesus actually comes, he leads his disciples up into a mountainside, and he sits down. He assumes the position of a rabbi, of a teacher, ready to teach his followers, and, and, and uh, he teaches them what the kingdom of God is going to look like. So this morning, we're going to open up our Bibles to Matthew chapter 5, verses 13 through 20, and if you don't have a Bible, we're going to throw the, the, our text on the screen here, uh, and, and let's dive in together. All right, church? All right, we're going to be more participatory Um, We're going to dive into God's word together, all right, church? All right, my boy. Matthew chapter 5, beginning in verse 13. This is Jesus speaking. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the earth. Of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Do not think that I've come to abolish the law or the prophets. I've not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly, I tell you, until heaven and earth disappear, not the smallest letter, not the least stroke of a pen, will by any means disappear from the law until everything is accomplished. Therefore, anyone who sets aside one of these, one of the least of these commands, and teaches others accordingly, will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. 
But whoever practices and teaches these commands will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and of the teachers of the law, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven. Pray with me, church. Heavenly Father, we thank you for gathering us here this morning, for the opportunity to join with our brothers and sisters in the worship of your holy name, of your glorious name, of your grace-filled, merciful, wonderful name. And this morning we ask that you speak to us, that you open up your word to our hearts. And Lord, we ask that you open up our hearts to your word. Transform us, Lord. Guide us, Lord. Renew us, O Lord. We pray this in the name of our faithful Savior, Jesus Christ, and all of God's people said, Amen. Good job. All right, so I've been on this health journey for about a year now, right? Um, because, well, not right. You guys don't know me. Um, but uh, it turns out that it is not healthy or wise to subsist solely on nachos and ice cream. I, you know, I learned that uh, perhaps the hard way. So anyways, I've been attempting to make healthier eating decisions, right? And, and, and this, this, is, this has been a real learning experience for me. But one of the things I've learned is I have this new favorite snack. It's uh, mixed nuts. Have you guys, you know, you go to the star, store, you get the, the, the jar of mixed nuts, and it has the almonds and the cashews and the pecans or pecans, depending on where you're from. You know, you know what I'm talking about. Um, my favorite mix used to have Brazil nuts, and they just switched to pistachios, which is a disappointment, to say the least. Perhaps another conversation for another day. I won't dwell. Uh, but anyways, one day I ran out of my, my, my snack, my, my, my mixed nuts. I ran out of them. And I thought to myself, you know what? I, uh, no big deal. I'm a grown man. Look at me. I'm a grown man. I can get a snack. I can go to the store, right? So, so I gather up all my uh, self, which is, you know, my keys, wallet, and cell phone, and, uh, you know, go, I venture out to the store. Now, mind you, my wife normally does the shopping, but again, grown man. I stroll into Aldi all confident right, all self-assured, and I go and grab my, my favorite snack, I purchase it, I bring it home, I crack that bad boy open, grab some nuts, throw them in my mouth, and I immediately, I immediately, I immediately want to spit them out because they are disgusting filth. <laughs> and I look, <laughs> I examine the packaging perhaps more, more closely, as I should have in the store, and I found that these nuts are unsalted. <laughs> Why do these exist? That's my question. Why is that even a thing? Do people actually buy these? It's just like, oh. Anyways, uh, they were just not good, which got me thinking. It got me thinking, church. How could something so small, so tiny, so seemingly insignificant change everything? I mean, the main stuff is the main stuff. The cashews are still cashews. 
missing one ingredient. Changed everything. Now this is kind of a silly example, but my hope is that this might enliven our imaginations to our text this morning, which Jesus is teaching his followers what it means to be a part of the kingdom of God. And I would like to borrow from Pastor Aaron's uh, definition or the Heart of White definition. Please forgive me. I don't, I don't credit where it's due, right? Um, and I'll tell you this. I've gotten to know Aaron a little bit over the last couple weeks. What a joy and gift he is. I've just been thankful to interact with him. But anyways, uh, the discipleship, uh, the, this definition of what it means to be a Christian, or more literally, a Christ follower, is, is this, to be found and formed by Jesus as we follow him. That this relationship that we have with our risen Savior is everything to us. It's who we are, that Jesus is both our home and our king, that Jesus is both the one who redeems us and the one that redefines us both individually and as his people, as his church, as his body of believers. And a part of being found in Jesus is that we draw our identity from him, that we literally define ourselves by what and by who Jesus says we are. And the thing is that we long to have an identity as people, don't we? We long to belong to something, and we draw our identity from all over the place. And I bet, I bet maybe, just maybe, your, your mind even went somewhere. And I ask you to slow down, take, take a pause, and, and, and we'll, we'll get there. But we draw our identity from all sorts of things, don't we? From the teams that we root for from the schools that we go to, from the causes that we back, from the products that we purchase, uh, to, uh, which, which actually leads me to this uh, fascinating little cultural phenomenon that, that I've noticed, is, and perhaps you've noticed it too, is that when you purchase a product, right, the company is gracious enough to give you a sticker. And you take that sticker and you put it on something else you own, in order to identify yourself as loving that other product, right? This is the reason why when we drive around, right, we see people signaling to others, we see people uh, announcing to others what kind of cooler they own. Again, why this is a thing, I don't know, but it's where we are as a people. Uh, they, they, they announce what state that they're from, what computer they're loyal to. They announce where their favorite highway is, right? <laughs> Again, it's not wrong. It's just a thing. This all led our culture to develop something. Uh, it's called an influencer. Right? Have you guys heard of these? They exist on, on social media, an, an influencer, right? That they, uh, <laughs> um, yeah, I just thought of something funny. I'm not going to share it, though. Um, <laughs> these people have some level of, of popularity where they <laughs> exist on social media. And uh, uh, they have this level of popularity in their, in their subculture that, that somehow gives them valuable, and the fancy marketing term is relationship assets. Basically, people listen to them, all right? They have an influence on who's around them. That, that if I can put it this way, they, they have the power to create trends. They have a power to affect the way people think and the way that they, how they 
by, how they interact with the world. And if I could be as bold as to phrase it this way, that these influencers, that their chosen identity gives them uh, uh, influence to, that typically accomplishes something. It has an outcome. It has a, a desired effect. My curiosity this morning is, I wonder if this is something that, that could help us understand the Sermon on the Mount a little bit better. Follow with me on this, follow with me on this, that, that Jesus addresses his followers with some pretty specific identity claims. Some pretty specific identity claims, and Jesus says that you are salt. You are light. You are salt. You are light. This is who you are. You are, you are these things because Jesus has chosen to call his people salt and light, and that he says that you are set apart. You are different from the world that surrounds you, and I absolutely love the fact that Jesus uses the example of salt because salt is so good, isn't it? It's delicious. Whoever said no, We'll talk after church. <laughs> Anyone that's experienced bland food can immediately tell what's missing. And oftentimes they're not afraid to add it. We know this because salt is what we associate as flavor. Salt enhances all the flavors it interacts with. Salt is something that's good. It's, it's desirable. When we think about physical salt, the, the, the physical kind of salt that we season our foods with, it's, it's small, right? It's inexpensive, right? And yet somehow its value far exceeds its apparent, um, its apparent insignificance. The same can be said of light. Anyone who's experienced true darkness, I mean like true, 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 true darkness, like you can't see your hand in front of your face darkness, the kind of darkness that has a weight to it, the kind of darkness that produces fear and anxiety and, 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 and a sense of hopelessness, that whoever's experienced true darkness can testify to the fact that even the smallest pinprick of light even the smallest source of light has the unique and incredible power to give hope. Has the power to chase away fear. Has the power to illuminate, direct what is otherwise unnavigable. Jesus says that we are salt and light if we belong to him. That the value of a Christ follower is far beyond one's apparent insignificance, but, but is unleashed and made more when it's found in Jesus. And I can say this with certainty, that when we are found in Christ, when our hope and our faith is found in Christ, or maybe even better yet, when all of our trust is found in Jesus Christ, we are made into new creations. The old is gone and the new has come. We're moved from death into life. We're made from bland into salty. We're made from dark 
uncertain into light and certainty. You see, something can't make itself salty, right? It needs to get acted upon by an outside source. A light, a lamp can't light itself. Something needs to act upon it. That's, that's what happens when we're drawn to Christ and trust in the richness of his mercy and his grace towards us, that we can, we can never, ever, ever, ever earn that grace for ourselves. We can't make ourselves salty. We can't ignite a flame of faith within us, but it's that gift of God that gives us the identity and reclaims us and redefines us as being these things. And the reason that we can't earn being salt, the reason we can't earn God's mercy or grace is because we have this problem called sin, right? We know that story and I'm going to operate from the um, understanding that sin is sin is any departure deviation from what God has intended for us plans for hope plans for blessing that's why God gave us the law, so that the law could be held up to us as a mirror, right? Held up to us as a mirror so we can see where we fall short. We can see where we fall short of the perfection that is the Lord God Almighty. And not just that, it allows us to see that we need Christ's righteousness the Lord's rightness in order for us to have that relationship with God. That's why we celebrate the cross, isn't it? Because there, at the literal crux of human history, we see our Lord and Savior giving us his rightness, his righteousness. That when when he went to the cross, he went as a perfect, sinless, spotless lamb with no sin, no fault, no failures. But he took with him our sin, our faults, our failures. And those were crucified on the cross with him. Once and for all, all of our mess-ups, all of our gunk-ups, all of the stuff that just doesn't bring glory to the Father, past, present, and future. It's all there on the cross. And in that, a divine mystery takes place. Not only does Jesus take our junk with him, you know what he does? He gives us his perfection. His righteousness is placed on us, his people, so that when the Lord looks at us, he sees the robes of righteousness. He sees the perfection of Christ, and he sees us as being marked as new creations. And this, this is our new identity, isn't it? This is, this is who we are in Christ Jesus, a righteous people, described by Jesus as being salt and light, a people set apart. I love the way the apostle Peter puts it in, in, in 1 Peter. He says this, he says, As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had, you had when you lived in ignorance. 
But just as he who called you is holy, be holy. Be holy. Be set apart. Be different. Be the flavor in this world. Be the very thing that illuminates this world. And we must be quick to recognize that this holiness, this set apartness isn't just for us. It isn't just so that we can be different. It isn't just so that we can look different. It's so that we can have an influence on the world around us for the good of all of the Lord's creation. This identity leads to our vocation that you are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. That our identity leads us into our vocation, which is what we are called to live into, what we are called to do, that being the salt of the earth and the light of the world is to actually be who we have been made to be. You see, friends, um, you can't be salt. We can't be salt unless we function as salt, right? It's kind of redundant to say. But if salt doesn't act like salt, it no longer has a purpose. It no longer has a function, and now it's meaningless. It might as well join everything else because there's nothing that sets it apart. In the same way, no one, no one lights a lamp and puts it under a bowl, Right? That's foolishness. That's nonsense. Like, like you don't turn on the lights at your house. You, you walk in the door, flip on the lights, and immediately cover them all up. That's ludicrous, right? I mean, we flip on lights because they have a function. They serve a purpose. When a light bulb acts as it is, it gives what it should be. Say that eight times fast. I couldn't. Our vocation as salt and light is to be a blessing to the world. Our vocation as salt and light is to be instruments of, of grace and mercy, to be givers of hope. To be givers of hope, that same hope that transformed us. Jesus says, let our light shine before others so that they can see who we belong to so that they can see our identity i love the way that that paul puts it in his letter to the ephesians he says that we are god's handiwork we are god's handiwork created in christ jesus to do good works which god prepared in advance for us to do that we are created with purpose for a purpose that we have been given our identity by god and we've been put on a platform by God in order that we may function out of our identity of being transformed people. And when we do that, we bring glory to the Father in heaven. That wherever we are, as salt and light, wherever we are, whoever, whoever we're with or whatever we're doing, We have a higher vocation. We have a higher call to season those around us, to illuminate those. That's the seasoning motion. 
to illuminate those around us uh, with the blessings that come from the Father. We are called to be who we are. And you might be asking yourself, or you might be saying, whoa, Mark, whoa, 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 whoa. Slow down, homeboy. This is a really big call. You're the salt of the earth? Earth is a big, pretty big place. You're the, the light of the world. The world is also a pretty big place. Uh, how, how am I going to be salt of the earth? How am I going to influence the entire planet? I'm not Taylor Swift. Too soon? Okay. Um, I have good news. It's not our job. It's not our role to influence the entirety of the planet. The good news is that someone greater than us has that role. His name is Jesus, and the world is in good hands. Can I get an amen, church? But we remember with me the salt, that seemingly small, inexpensive entity which has a value that far outweighs its apparent insignificance. Salt affects what it touches. Salt affects what it comes in contact. The same is true what it comes in contact with. The same is true with light. That light illuminates only what it touches. In the same way, we're called to live out of our identity wherever we've been placed with those whom we touch. I love the way Mother Teresa puts it. If you grew up in the 90s, like, you know Mother Teresa, right? Terrible joke. I love the way Mother Teresa puts it. If you want to change the world, if you want to change the world, go home and love your family. I love this sentiment. If you want to be salt, if you want to be light, if you want to make a difference, go to where you already are. Seems counterintuitive, but think about it. You have a unique platform that God has given to only you. Only you. No one can be a light to your family better than you. No one can bring a Christ-centered saltiness, mind you, Christ-centered saltiness, to your place of employment better than you. No one can bring hope. No one can bring joy. No one can bring peace. No one can bring patience. No one can bring generosity. No one can bring all these wonderful things that, that are, are belonging to Christ Jesus to your team, your school, your, your grocery store, to your waitress, to your wherever you are, fill in your own blank better than you. Go. To the place that you already are and do what God has designed you to be. The charge here from Jesus, I believe, is to, to be who you are, where you are. That you may be a blessing, that you may be a unique representative of whom you belong to in the place that God has uniquely put you. Be who you are, where you already are. Amen, church?
pray with me? Father in heaven, you rule and reign with peace and mercy and most of all with love. We thank you that you are greater than us. That you've designed this world perfectly and that you've placed us in exactly the place you want us to be at exactly the time you wanted us to be surrounded by exactly the people you wanted us to be surrounded by. Lord, we ask that you encourage our hearts. You give us a Christ-centered boldness that we might act as different than this world, that we might intentionally love this world, that we might season the world with your gospel goodness. That we might be different for your Send your spirit, encourage your people to do your work under your guiding hand, Lord. And we pray this in the most beautiful and magnificent name that ever touches our lips. And that is the name of Jesus Christ and all of God's people said.